0: Hi, I'm Jesse. Welcome to our new devotional series as we enter Behold the Harvest, our evangelism training series. Our sermon this week introduced what we're going to do. We're going to teach you how to share your faith. We have covered apologetics We have covered the book of Acts. We've seen what God can do. There's no limit to what his spirit is capable of. And we've studied the book of John. Now you know exactly what to share with someone as you share your faith. I want to discuss the big why of evangelism. Because if every Christian evangelized, Christianity necessarily has to grow. If every Christian shared their faith, Christianity would grow. When Christianity is stagnant, it's effectively shrinking. And it's evidencing a lack of evangelistic obedience so when you talk about the church growing, it's easy to just sign that off as like, oh, that's just the pastor's ego. He just wants a big giant crowd to preach in front of. No, I just genuinely believe the Great Commission works this way because it worked that way in the book of Acts. God added to their number daily those who were being saved. We in the Seattle area live in a similar situation where we're in a mostly non-Christian setting. And if we as Christians would share our faith, we would see Christianity grow. I'm a, real, I'm a realtor as well. My wife and I my, my, my bride, Jesse and I, we have a, have a real estate firm that we, we we work at together. And they teach us that it, it's just a numbers game as you market, as you reach out and let people know that you exist and that you're doing business, that at some point along the line, you're gonna come upon someone who needs to sell their house or is looking to buy a house. And so the more people you engage, the more likely you are to encounter someone. What's cool about evangelism is that it's far better than the numbers game of the real estate world. Like it's it's totally stacked in your favor and that like you are part of the mission of God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does the converting, and the one who does the convincing, and the one who does the transforming, and the one who guides you in this process. So you have far better chances as a Christian willing to just obey the Great Commission and let the Word of God be known than a realtor does of landing a deal somewhere. Here's Romans chapter 10. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God concerning them, referring to Israel, If you haven't yet, go watch uh, my sermon series on our YouTube channel titled How Christians Are Made, where I taught through the book of Romans verse by verse, especially in chapter nine. That'll give you the full context for this. My prayer to God concerning them, meaning Israel, is for their salvation. I can testify about them that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Let's talk about this. We evangelize because people can't save themselves. If their righteousness is based on something other than faith in Christ, it's not righteousness. Now, the original recipients of the book of Romans would immediately understand this to be Israel, who had found their own sense of righteousness by adherence to the law of Moses and then taking it too far, adding on the Talmud, adding on the unauthoritative rabbinic writings that added on to the law of God. They tried to establish their own righteousness. Can you see the parallels between that and our virtue signaling culture today? They're not trying to be righteous on God's standards. They're trying to be righteous on their own standards. The more passionate you are when you tweet in favor of environmentalism, the more righteous you are. The more you virtue signal, the more righteous you are. They're trying to establish righteousness by their own standards. They're not submitting to God's righteousness. Now, what does submitting to God's righteousness entail? The confession of sin. When you virtue signal out with your tweeting, you're not confessing sin. When you come alongside someone who is already amply defended, you're not actually confessing sin. When you tweet out your scientism, you're not actually confessing sin. When you broadcast out your calls for justice to be done along, uh, upon other perpetrators, you're not calling for any justice to be done to yourself or your own sin. They're trying to find a sense of righteousness. They're clamoring for it. Their virtue signaling actually indicates that they want that. And so you, like Paul regarding Israel, can look to Seattle and our culture and say, like, you want to establish righteousness. You want to be good, but you're not submitting to God's righteousness. You appeal to a moral law, but you're appealing to the wrong one. Here's what Paul did for Israel. Here's what we can do for Seattle. Look, I know that you're getting tired of this virtue signaling. I know that you're weary, and I know that it doesn't change anything in your heart. Do you know that there's grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ? If We confess our sins. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They're gonna be wary to do that because if they're truly chugging the Seattle culture Kool-Aid, they believe in cancel culture. And there's no grace for people who mess up. In in cancel culture, if you mess up, you are skewered and blacklisted and shamed and buried and useless and trash, all right? So there's no public confession in a cancel culture. They're gonna be reticent to do that unless you lead the way. They wanna be righteous, but they don't know God's righteousness. They want to be virtuous, but they don't know where virtue comes from. So you show them we can be imputed with the righteousness of Jesus. And there's grace for sinners like me. Watch the Holy Spirit begin to work. Watch the Holy Spirit of God draw upon their hearts. Paul is gonna go on to say that he wishes that he could forego his own salvation if it meant Israel could be saved. He knows it's not possible. He's just showing what's in his heart would you come to a state of similar brokenness for Seattle? It's like, God, I'd be willing to forego my own salvation if it meant my city could be saved. Let the Lord work on your heart, a similar call for revival in your context that Paul had for his. Look to Seattle, see their zeal, their passion. They wanna be virtuous, they wanna be right. Look at our city, it's really beautiful. There's some of the best artists in the world here. Some of the most brilliant engineers all live here. The richest people in the world could live anywhere and they want to live here. These people are zealous, so zealous to look virtuous and caring for the homeless that they'll actually violate the law to let them set up encampments in front of privately owned stores. Like they're so virtuous, they ze- they have such zeal to be right and righteous that they'll do things that are actually unrighteous to look this way. So appeal to that desire. You have this zeal for righteousness, but it's not based on God's righteousness. God has a righteousness and it begins with the confession of sin. Look at Paul's zeal for his brethren and ask God to give you that same zeal for Seattle. Are you ready? Pray.